0: you got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow, up to 12, Five seconds left in the game. You in yes.
1: Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the shenanigans. It was the early 80s, and sex was still a good way to meet new people. The disappointment. Now that's a real shame when folks be throwing away a perfectly good white boy like that. And the self-confidence. I'm six foot, three inches tall, and maintain a very consistent panda bear shape.
0: Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring.
1: Welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears with TampaBay.com. And today we talk about 1980, Lake Placid, the USA versus the USSR, the miracle on ice. I'm sure there are a lot of people in this building who do not know the difference between a blue line and a closed line. It's irrelevant. It doesn't matter, because what we have at hand, the rarest of sporting events, an event that needs no build-up, no superfluous adjectives. With me, as always, he was my partner in the two-man luge, Sean Daly.
0: It was so warm, it was, uh, <laughs> and so fast. I'm feeling patriotic, baby. I'm feeling jingoistic. I love this
1: episode today. It has been 30 years since uh, this event happened you were it's- only 28 at the time exactly <laughs> so we had to bring in a ringer as always to help us out
0: the great tom jones sports columnist for the saint pete times and my favorite writer in the saint pete times thanks for joining us
2: thank you really favorite writer i no, thought
0: every- i
1: thought you were your favorite well
0: writer. <laughs> all right it's like one and one a right here let me tell you about jonesy now jonesy you were a uh, well you were a uh, hockey beat writer for how long 15 years 15 years yeah. in... Um, in here at St. Pete and also in Minneapolis at right. the Star Tribune. And I hear you do our uh, very popular shooting from the lip column. You hear? You don't read it? No, <laughs> I listen to an audio tape. Uh, no, so every morning I get up and I have either my Frosted Flakes or my Apple Jacks. The first thing I read in the St. Pete Times, the award-winning St. Pete Times, is Tom Jones's column. And I'm either reading it while I eat my cereal or as I sprint to the bathroom, and I read it uh, in the bathroom as well. But that's like the ultimate compliment. Uh, it, right?
2: yeah, I'll take it any way I can. As long as you're reading it, I don't care where. Yeah. I don't care where it is.
0: When people tell me they read me on the can, I'm like, I love it. I love you. you made my day.
1: Total attention. You got their
0: attention. Exactly. Right. Not going anywhere. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) A captive audience. Exactly. So on February 22nd, 1980 is the day we're talking about. it. It has been nearly 30 years since it happened. Tom, real quickly, explain to those who were not alive then or who were too young to remember, what was the Miracle on Ice? The United States hockey team, it was a group of amateur players,
2: college kids playing the, the USSR at the time, the greatest hockey team in the world, a team that had beaten NHL All-Stars on a regular basis back then. The United States had no chance, had lost to the same team two weeks earlier. Like uh, by 10, a score three. of ten to three, you creamed them and and beat them. And clearly, yeah, it, it it would be equivalent to a a bunch of college kids going out and beating the New York Yankees today. That's that's how big of an upset it was.
0: The ultimate David versus Goliath battle, exactly. And led
2: by a charismatic head coach by the name of Herb Brooks, who was a legend, and and, and these group of kids. And at the time, it, it the the country was going through some really bad times. Back then, we had the. Uh, Russia had invaded Afghanistan against our wishes. We were threatened to boycott the 80 Olympics. Uh, The Iranian hostage crisis was going on at that time. Uh, Energy shortage in this country.
0: The Cold War. I mean, Russia was a threat. I mean, for lack of a better word, uh, the Russians were the villains.
2: So Exactly. So it was David Goliath and also good versus evil, at least from our end. And it turned out to be just a magical, magical moment. Do you
0: think the United States in 1980 at that time was feeling kind of beat up? Like, right now we're like superpower. There's no beating us. At the
2: time, President Carter came out and said we were having a crisis of confidence. Went on national television to try to boost the country. And it made us feel even worse at the
0: time. So we were feeling beat up. Pretty much. We needed a boost. We were down. And here are these
2: college kids, these fresh-faced college kids that no one had ever heard of or never seen before unless you lived in hockey country somewhere. And they became
0: legends. And so, all right, so we have no shot. No one thinks we're either we're going to make it. At the time, this is a medal round, right? This
2: is the medal round, right? And we play Russia, and and Russia dominates the game for the, for the most part. Jim Craig, the goalie from the team, play, and he's an incredible story. His mother had died just a year earlier. His fi- his family didn't have any money. He was he had to go pro soon to make some money for the family. He stuck around, stayed an amateur, so he can play in the Olympics. And Mike Micaruzzioni, Mike the captain of the team, who also should have been cut, oh, was almost cut from the team. Scores the winning goal with ten minutes left.
0: And it's why was Ruzzioni almost cut from the team?
2: Because he, he he was only kept for his leadership skills. He wasn't really kept because of his talent. Was he older? He was older. He was older. He was a senior in college at the time, and he also made the decision in between the second and third period of the game against the Soviets that I'm going to retire after the Olympic wow. tournament. He could have gone pro. And decided, I will never. Nothing in my life will ever top this. I'm going to retire. But, he, it was, but then it, he goes out and scores the winning goal. But it
0: wasn't over yet. So in that in that period, 20 minutes, yep. right between the second and third, he's like, no matter what happens, this is the this greatest is it.
2: moment of my life. I will. I, I can never top this. I'm never going to play hockey again. And he never did. Now, now they did play another game after the Russian. They beat Finland. They beat Finland for the gold medal. But he never played hockey
1: after that. And, And to set some of the stage as well, the the U.S. had had won or tied every game in the Olympics. Heading into the right. game with Russia.
2: Right. They had, the first game they almost lost their first game. They had to pull the goalie to tie Sweden with a late last minute goal. Right. And then they won every game and got into the medal round. The game itself was not in prime time, right? It was Correct. It was it was started at five o'clock in Lake Placid. There was talk about moving the game to eight o'clock so they can get it on primetime TV here. And the Russian said, "Absolutely not. The game is scheduled for five o'clock. We will play it at five o'clock. Right. So
1: nobody watching. sees it. Nobody sees it live. It only it only broadcasts, I believe, in Canada live. The rest of the world sees it on tape delay. You
0: know, it's so funny. I mean, how long was the delay then? Do we know how long did the game happen? Then it was broadcast it, on the East it, Coast It, of the it started
2: States. at five o'clock. The game ended before it came on TV. So,
0: but it was about a three-hour difference. Three-hour difference. So in 1980, there's you know obviously newspapers are a main way of, of uh, right seven no." Eight internet information there's no internet people probably oh did you hear I me mean, you know but by then we didn't know a lot of us didn't know i remember seeing watching with my mom and dad and i remember being incredibly fresh like oh my god i actually heard radio
2: updates every 20 minutes on a local news station back in pittsburgh where i lived and they updated so i knew who won before and i made my dad who hated hockey i actually you have to watch this game because it'll be something you'll remember the rest of your life
0: and and he did and that's something too that it transcended sports you right. know, it's, for a lot of people it was the last hockey game they watched.
1: Yeah. The you first know? and the last for a lot right. of people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and anybody who was of a certain age at that time probably remembers where they were when it happened. You remembered you were in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I was Pittsburgh. Which, I was a
2: sophomore in high school. I was fourteen years old. Fifteen.
1: Yeah. Um I was I was on a Boy Scout camping trip and we stopped off at a drugstore to get sodas and candy and the clerk was going crazy and he finally clued us into what happened and we spent the, la- the rest of the night throwing firecrackers into the campfire <laughs> to celebrate.
0: Uh, that's cool. Now, what is the one image you, you guys remember from uh, the frozen image you remember from that game?
2: It's Mike Arugioni scoring the goal, and it's, it's it's almost frozen. There There's photos and paintings of it, and, and that's the image I remember.
0: Mine's uh, Jim Craig uh, with the, the flag. Looking draped, for his father. Draped, yeah, with a flag draped around him and just this look of like peace on his face. I'll never forget that, you know? Mine is
1: actually of the Russians. After the game is over and the, and the, um, the Americans are celebrating, the Russians remain on the ice and watch the Americans celebrate and there's this look of wonderment in their faces like, wow, we've never, I mean like they had forgotten the joy of
0: winning
2: exactly because this don't forget this is a a a team that had won gold medals of the previous four olympics i think it was
0: and they were essentially professionals right they were were, yeah it was allowed for russia to do that or or however you would i mean they were much much better they were so
2: good they dominated everybody so much that it was no longer even fun to
1: win technically they like worked for the red army right but their their main job was to play hockey And uh, let's talk about let's talk about the coach, Herb Brooks. Um, He is at the time that he is brought in to be the coach of the the Olympic team. He is doing what, Tom? He is the coach at the University of Minnesota. Now, the, the interesting thing about Herb Brooks was
2: in 1960, the United States won the gold medal. He was the last player cut from the 1960 team. Wow. So that drives him. There's a great story. I actually got to know Herb Brooks very well when I lived in Minnesota. He told me this great story about he's sitting in his living room watching the 1960 Olympics from Squall Valley. All of his buddies, guys that grew up on the same street as, as him, are playing in the game. They win the gold medal. And he's so happy that they've won, but yet at the same time he's disappointed that he's not there. And he looks over at his dad looking for some words of comfort and his dad looks at him and says, looks like Coach cut the right guy. Oh. And that drives him he, oh didn't, he didn't. God he didn't. He didn't. He didn't say. It. He didn't say it It, a mean, it wasn't meant to be mean spirited. It was. He was. His dad was a very down to earth, salt of the earth type of guy who who just told things like it is and said, "Hey, he cut the right guy because they won with yeah. the team that they had," and that drove her Brooks and said, "Someday I am going to either play on a on a gold medal team or coach a gold medal team." That was just, That was just driving. Those words inspired the rest of his life.
0: Now, Herb Brooks, uh, I know he's he's your he's your buddy, and, and you guys became friends. But he was notorious, like uh, oh, he was a, a tough guy.
2: Well, what it was was you had all these kids coming in from the University of Minnesota and Wisconsin, all the Midwest kids, and then you had all the kids from back east, to Boston area, and they hated one another because they had these intense college rivalries. He knew that they couldn't have a team if you had half the, the guys hating half the other guys. So he wanted to to give them a common enemy, and that common enemy was him. He says, if I figure if if they can bond by everybody's hatred of me, then they'll become
1: a team. <laughs> so he wasn't he really that bad of a guy, as he's. Le- I mean, we've we've all no. seen the movies now. I mean, there was the nineteen eighty one movie where Carl, uh, Carl Malden, Malden, yeah. Malden plays him, and then there's the two thousand and four movie where Kurt Russell plays him. Right, and they're nearly identical copies of each other. I've seen them both, and it's just like yeah. Just better acting in right. But Kurt Russell comes across as the world's biggest a-hole playing Herb Brooks. You
2: know, I, I, on a personal level, Herb was great. He was great to deal with. But when he dealt with USA hockey, when he dealt with his players, no, he was a bad – he was he was a jerk. There was a, a famous incident in Norway where they tied – and they had, they had a big, long exhibition season before the Olympics. They tied Norway, and Herb Brooks was so embarrassed and said, okay, if you're not going to play – on the ice during the game, we're going to practice afterwards. So he made them skate for close to an hour. Players were throwing up on the ice. It's unheard of some of the things that he did.
0: Yeah, the Russian uh, coach... uh, Victor Tikhonov. Yeah, he he sat his players. And he rested them, right? That was the thing. Whereas um, Brooks didn't. I mean, he kept going, going, yeah. going. I mean, pushing these guys.
2: But he 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 was not, not a favorite of USA Hockey and not a favorite of the players. He really was on a personal level great, but when dealing with everybody else, he was a jerk. Yeah. yeah. Now you've seen. I mean, we've all seen the movies.
1: Where where are the discrepancies?
2: Well, I, I think you know, Herb, I, I think the uh, the thing I wish I'd have seen more of was how dedicated Herb was to his wife, how, de- how, what a nice person he was. Just to give you an example, when I first moved to Minnesota, I met Herb. He asked me if I had any kids. I said, yeah. And I said, I have a son who plays hockey. How old is he? And my son was probably eight or nine at the time. So what's his name? I said, Sam. He goes, what's your address? I just need it for, you know, for my files or whatever. I said, okay. Two days later in the mail, I get this big tube that comes in the mail and I Open it up, and it's a print of a painting with Mike Arruzzioni scoring a winning goal, and there's a big signature at the top that says, To Sam, best wishes, go for the gold, your friend Herb Brooks. Wow. And it's, a, it's, it's in my son's room right now. He's 17 now, but it's framed and hung in his room. That's the kind of guy he was. He wanted to, to sort of – American hockey was meant so much to him, he knew it would mean so much to my son, and maybe my
1: son would continue to play
2: hockey because of something like that.
1: Now what happened to the play- now the players, you know, from this team were as you said, you know, they were nobodies, no one had heard of them for the most part. Did any of them go on to any success in the NHL after
2: Yeah, there were a couple that went on and had some some decent success. Mike Ramsey probably had the most success. He played about twenty two years in the NHL as a defenseman. Jim Craig the goalie had some some issues off the ice. He, he didn't have much of an NHL career. Um and and there were a couple others who went on and, and, and you know played
0: Neil Broughton.
2: Neil, Broughton was, Neil probably, Broughton was a
0: thug, wasn't he? Wasn't no, he no, no, no. Or?
2: He's a, pretty, a bit of a pretty boy. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah. Now,
0: Broughton, you you probably knew him because he played in Minnesota. He right? played in
2: Minnesota. He was from Minnesota and, and, and worked for the Minnesota Wild for a while there, and I covered the Minnesota Wild. And interesting enough, Mark Johnson, who was the best player on that team during the tournament, their leading scorer, uh, went on. And his dad was Bob Johnson, who coached the University of Wisconsin, which was a fierce rival of Herb Brooks at the University of Minnesota but he obviously took his took his son on because his son was a great player and his son is now coach of the United States women's Olympic team in these Olympics going on right now in Vancouver. Jeez.
0: Wow. Okay, so Tom, your column shooting from the lip you talk about uh sports on TV, right? You're always talking about announcers, uh who does what, uh who you like, who you don't. Al Michaels, okay, famously called the Miracle on Ice. Of hand is
2: there, the puck is
0: still loose, 11 seconds. You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow, up to slope. Five seconds left in the game. You believe in miracles? Yes! Uh, unbelievable. Where does that stand? Would you say it's the greatest call? Or I th- think
2: so. Yeah. I think so. It was so good that some people years later claimed, because the game was on tape delayed, uh, that that he might have made that up on uh, later on, that they edited it in. That's how good it was. I don't believe that story. You know, That's sort of a... Urban legend out there, but wow. The uh, yeah, do you believe in miracles? Yes, and then this impossible dream comes true. Yeah.
0: Well, I know that in I think the movie Miracle, they had him record a lot of his lines again, except except that one, right? That except one. his final call because they thought it would be unfair to try to make Al Michaels once again recreate the emotions he had as he because it just sounds it just sounds. Uh, guttural it just sounds totally neat like he he he's trying to hang on too. he can't believe what he's seeing
2: i've heard him explain it years later as the seconds were counting down and there was a chance that, that- Russians could have tied the game in the last minute they spent the last minute of the game just firing in, on, yeah. firing away and they 'd never pulled their goalie, which is a common tactic in hockey. You pull your goalie to send out an extra skater because they had never been in a position where they had to pull their goalie they didn 't really know how to do it, uh, but he said during that last minute the one word that kept popping into his mind was miraculous, and he was trying to figure out a way to work the word miraculous into his into his call, and then he came out with "Do you believe in miracles
0: you know what I love too is that you know in the um in the press box in sports, like you know the the announcers and uh, and the media, you know you guys kind of are pretty cool, right? You're a pretty cool group. But the the reason that the Al Michaels call is so like jubilant and so, like, euphoric is that he's totally, like, letting his emotions out. Like, he's totally just, like, well, the losing his f- shit.
2: Interesting that you mention it like that because there's always an announcement before games that there's no cheering in the press box.
0: I did it for the Super Bowl. I was <laughs> just out at the Super Bowl when Tracy Porter... And you picked, probably got yelled picked, at, picked right? Manning. I went, holy shit. <laughs> I got. It. I also just won fifty bucks and a couple guys. I think even Kalishaw looked at me like, "Let's pretend like you've been here before, buddy." You know, right? But which
2: on I- that day, and I wish I could remember which sports writer it was uh, that said it. But it was it was one of the the veteran sports writers walked into the press box that day when the when the United States was playing the Soviets and said, "Gentlemen, today there will be cheering in the press box." Wow, that's how big of a deal it was.
0: <laughs> wow. Man, I got chills when he said that. The one time I saw it cheering in the press box, I was at um, Camden Yards when Ripken broke the streak. Right, right. I was there and I looked up and I remember seeing Tony Kornheiser front and center standing up and clapping. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm like, oh, I, I'd never seen that sort of a An amazing in the press And, I, and
2: apparently that's the way it was in 1980 where, player, where sports writers were in tears. And we're a pretty jaded group
1: normally. But to, to see what was going on there was just, I'm sure, incredible. Does, this set, does Al Michaels' call set an impossible standard or an impossible pinnacle for future sports calls? I mean, is there, do you think there's going to be a pressure if this sort of thing ever comes close to happening again? Someone's going to be sitting there going, I've got to do something that says uh, that's tops the th- miracle call.
2: I think there are sportscasters out there who purposely think of lines before the game's even played in the event that something happens and they have that line. But it almost always, you can tell it's almost always rehearsed. Uh that's what made Al Michaels' call so great, As you could tell it was
1: genuinely authentic. And a, f- a few years ago in the Olympics, Herb Brooks returned to right. coach the U.S. team. And just like th- it was in 1980, the U.S. faced Russia. Was it in the medal round again? Well, they, they, played it, they ended up playing him twice. twice. They played him them, played them once in the early round, which happened to be the anniversary of, of the Miracle
2: on Ice right. game. And it ended up; it was a brilliantly played game. It didn't start till like ten o'clock at night. They t- ended up tying two two. Then they played him again. In the United States won again. And one, and, they, and the Russian team was coached by one of the players from the eighty team.
1: Wow! Yeah. And did Al Michaels didn't call that game again? Did he?
2: No, no, he didn't because uh, well, that's I'm, on. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think Mike Emmerich called that game. Wow.
0: Think about Al Michaels too. Is that it, it? It's still such a sterling example of a great call because ESPN, which I kind of love hate with. Yeah. All there, especially Sports Center, all the canned booyahs and all the all the pronouncements. Like you t- it all seems very, very scripted. You right, know?
2: right, and that's what made Michael's call so great. And normally, if you have an announcer who who made a call thirty years ago, at some point you think he'd get tired of it. And he says to this day, "No, I'm very proud of that moment. I'm very proud." <laughs> Hell that. yeah, I-
0: that's when Al Michaels became Al. That's Michaels. what he did.
2: And now, he's, now he's I think the best broadcaster in,
0: in sports yeah there's something about it. as we say on the show his voice is ingrained in our dna <laughs> you know so is there any sort of scenario where the drama and uh the the the, the bigness and the majesty of the miracle on ice could be repeated i don't think so today?
2: I, I just because of the way the olympic format is set up you would never have now there. it's all national hockey
0: league players um With the Ray, rays would have won the world series no
2: no, because, and that's the thing. It would have been great here in Tampa Bay, but as Steve was just saying a minute ago, it really captivated the country. Yeah. People who'd never seen a hockey game before watched. They've never watched a hockey game since, but they remember that game, remember those kids.
0: Now, you're paid big money, probably twice as much as I make here, <laughs> uh, to, yeah. to, to watch the Olympics and cover the Olympics. Do you be honest, Tom Jones? Uh, can you still get the, the thrill, the patriotic thrill and the excitement of watching the Olympics today, knowing that now th- there are pros in the Olympics, it- it's more of a money game? Do you still get that same oh, rush? Oh, no,
2: I, yeah, I do, I do. And, I, and when I, I covered the 2002 Olympics in Salt Lake City, and I remember the gold medal game between Canada and the United States. And it wasn't going to ruin my day, and I tried to be as objective as possible, and so hopefully it didn't come through in my running. But I really wanted the United States oh, to win.
1: I was wrecked when we lost to Canada. I was yeah I was I was, I was torn apart. I mean I was I had really I mean that that Olympics including the game the win over the Soviets or the not Soviets anymore Russia. Right. Um I was I was feeling just like it was 1980 all over again and then we would then we went on and lost to Canada. I mean I I felt like my I mean I was crushed. I'm, I I
2: was right with them because and I and I have a lot of Canadian uh friends who who are sports writers in Canada who cover hockey and and it it actually there was a bit of a rivalry there. You yeah. know that that we were, there was some sniping in the press box between the American guys and the Canadian guys because Canada's so good. Obviously, it's their game, right? Uh, and and it kills them when they lose because it means so much more to them than it does to us.
1: Yeah, I got the say, only like, thing that tops it. The only thing that tops it makes me feel better was it was about that same time, wasn't it, that the Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup over a Canadian team?
2: Right. Yeah. It was only it was only a little over a year later. Right. And so later, we yeah. sort
1: of had our little. Revenge against the Canadians, <laughs> you know the Cup that they would love so much to have had in Calgary now is sitting down here, you know, on the Gulf beaches of Florida, where it has no business whatsoever. Exactly. That, that was, if anything, can come close to topping 1980 and the Miracle on Ice. That's it to you me. Know,
0: my thing with the Olympics, I feel bad. I'm kind of envious, of you guys, because I, I don't even, watch the Olympics that no, much. Oh,
1: last anymore. night was
0: m- you're an idiot.
2: Of, you know, the night with Lindsey. Why is it idiot thing? Be- he's going to tell you. Yeah, I mean, we, there was a, on Wednesday night. You know Lindsey Vaughan wins a gold medal, Shawnee Davis and then Sean White in the half pipe. I mean it's incredible drama I, I'm, I'm addicted to curling
0: i I, I love do them. like the everything uh, about the Olympics. I, I do like the curling once you know I, I, who knew we had a curling team that for years you
1: know the, um, the I like the Winter Olympics more than the Summer Olympics me too. Uh, to me, there's like no comparison. This is
0: going to be sacrilege, but you know when I stopped caring about the Olympics, I think when it start is when we start in it was Summer Olympics and we put all our ringers in the dream team. Even though I love Bird, I grew up uh, you know in Boston, a huge Bird fan. All of a sudden, I just kind of like I don't know, I I lost interest. It it just seemed like some of the magic was gone.
2: And if you can imagine those group of guys, Bird, Magic, Jordan, that dream team losing to a bunch of college kids from Russia. That, was, that would have been a miracle on ice. Yeah, well, on see, court. well, there you go. That's what makes it so great.
0: So there you go. So if, when Bird wins and, and Magic wins, who I love, you know, but still it was like, ugh, we're yeah. beating up at Angola? Yeah. Really? <laughs> we're taking Angola, to, you know, to school? I don't know. So there we go. So that, you even proved my point right there.
1: Right. Do you want me to give you something to make you feel better? Sure. How about some seggies? Ah, by the sound of the tone, it must be time for Reader Mailbag. Sean Daly, the Winter Olympic hating man that he is.
0: I'm, I don't hate the Olympics. I we're going to wrap you in a
1: big flag, buddy, and we're going to let you read some
0: mail. <laughs> Come on. I just lost interest in it. I, I think there are a lot of people like me. I, I want to feel a rabid yeah, patriotism There is nobody game. like you. Let's just make that clear <laughs> oh, that right out like, of the bat. You're simply the best. Sean Okay, all right. First, we got to say that we're getting tons of letters. Steve has reprimanded me. He's berated me. I guess I said something on the last show. We're stuck in the eighties. Doesn't get letters anymore. And what? There was an onslaught of people like, "Well, did you get my letter about my old cabbage pastel or something dumb like that?" Right? <laughs> Is this correct, Steve? <laughs> so we got tons of letters. We want even more letters. We're getting your heartfelt, uh, you know, sentiment. Keep them coming. Jeez. <laughs> Every week I gotta apologize.
1: How long does it take people to understand that you're the insincere one of
0: us? Oh yeah, you're so sincere. You know it's all a freaking act, Jonesy. Tell the tell the listeners it's an act.
2: I I, don't, I believe it. I think I don't I don't think it's an act. <laughs>
0: that is crap. USA. You, USA. Oh yeah, all of a sudden you're US. Jim Craig. You're more like Jenny I, Craig. <laughs> Oh, uh, Steve and Tom. Oh, that's crap. Now, why would somebody say this? This is from, oh, because he's Tim in Minneapolis. There you go. You probably you know, remember Tim. We have a
1: ton now of listeners in Minneapolis for some reason. It's become like. I loved Minneapolis. I, I, I
2: lived never been been there for three years. City. I would have lived there the rest of my life if my wife didn't want to move back to Florida.
0: Wow. I, love, I like how never all been. the buildings are connected with yeah. the, the tunnels when it's like 20 below. Great in people. April. Great people in Minneapolis. You're right. I love, I love it up there, too. Uh, howdy, Steve and Tom. I've been meaning to write this for a few weeks, and I hope I'm not too late. I hope I'm not too late. But I have a great show idea for Stuck in the 80s. You need to do a podcast on the Olympics in the 80s.
1: He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. His parents are probably idiots, too.
0: Well, that's a great idea, Tim. There are so many unique things you can talk about. The American boycott of the Moscow Games and the corresponding Soviet boycott of the L.A. games. I didn't like those L.A. games either. Because what fun is the Olympics if you can't beat up on some Ruskies? Exactly. Right? Am I wrong, Tom no, Jones? you're right, you're right on My that My favorite I don't, I don't think CB we should
1: have boycotted them, and I don't think we should have, you know, right. and vice versa. Right.
2: I agree.
0: Also, do you remember that McDonald's had a game going on at the time called When the U.S. Wins, You Win, and they ended up giving away a lot more free meals than they originally intended due to this? I do
1: remember I that. I remember that. Yeah. yeah, that was good. I got my Big Mac on. I
0: bet you did. <laughs> uh, and uh, from, from a music angle, there was a cassette called the official music of the 23rd Olympics that had some really big names on it. Loverboy, Christopher Cross, Toto, Farner, Herbie Hancock. Oh, my God. That's like the Olympics of pop music.
1: <laughs> that's the most unlikely line of <laughs> what the heck.
0: Aren't you going to equate that also to the 1980 men's hockey team, Tom Jones? Yeah, Imagine you're a college kid going up against Loverboy. What's Loverboy doing on that list? Canadian. Yeah. Canadian. Oh, yeah. Canadian. What are they doing? Traitors. And who could forget Mary Lou Retton? What was her nickname? Was it just America's Sweetheart? Yeah. yeah. I thought there was something else. No, I think that's uh, it. Wasn't she like 3'8", three 3'8"? Three <laughs> yeah. She's like a dwarf who tumbled her way into America's hearts onto the front of magazine covers and Wheaties boxes, and even a cameo role in one of my favorite Christmas movies, Scrooged. (laughs) Thanks again for doing a great podcast. Along with the three of you, I remain firmly stuck in the 80s. Tim in Minneapolis.
2: Hey, can I tell a real quick Mary Lou Retton story? take about two seconds. Yeah, that's what you're here for. ESPN's Outside the Lines did a story on catching up with her 20 years later or whatever. She has like five kids now or something and they all piled into this minivan or this SUV and they're talking to her and all the, none of the kids are in seatbelts and ESPN got flooded with emails about what a bad mom she is because none of the kids were in seatbelts so they had to run a big wow. thing like a week
1: later <laughs> Does she wow. ever have to, Does she actually have to have a job the rest of her life? I don't know. Or does she can pretty much it's, live it's, off it's of it? It's
2: kind of like Mike Arruzioni with the Olympics. He, he scores the winning goal. He barely knocked it inside the post, yeah. the winning goal. And then all his buddies said, if you just shot the puck two inches to the left, you'd be painting bridges for a living. Wow.
0: Mm-hmm. And now he could probably go to signings and make now he's a uh, sign like Yeah, now he's America's be... dinner guest
2: is what her Brooks oh, used really? to call him. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's good. Kind of uh, letter number two
1: uh,
0: from Gail in Washington, D.C. Dear Tom. All right, now that doesn't make any sense either. <laughs> what? Freaking Jones is here for one show he takes over. Actually, you've done a few. How many have you done? Like four this or is five like my podcasts? fourth one, yeah. The chicks love you. I heard. The 80s chicks love you. Uh, I have been listening to the podcast for about a year and a half and following the blog for about a year, and I am thoroughly hooked. I've made it through a good chunk of the old episodes, but thank thankfully have many more to look forward to i want to thank you guys for providing the soundtrack for many 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 runs over the last 18 months see we're helping gail get healthier as we get fatter gail gets in better shape the the fat has to go somewhere (laughs) yeah you got me through training for three 10 milers as well as the races themselves i had to laugh over the weekend i was listening to the patrick swayze episode you're right that is funny gail when we talk about patrick swayze dying (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you read a letter from someone who said that she gets weird looks from people when she listens to Stuck in the 80s. And she's often laughing or arguing or talking out loud to you. Same for me. Sean... You make me laugh out loud at least once every episode, except this one, <laughs> usually in response to your spontaneous renditions of 80s songs. Give us one, Sean. Just... Uh, everybody's working for the spearsy. How about that? Good? It's there good. you go. Yeah, All right, I like that. I think what I most appreciate about listening to the podcast is that knowing that you two appreciate the decade as much as I do. I find that many of my friends have moved on from the 80s, and I can't imagine why. You two have become like old friends to me, and I look forward to the, that hour every week when I can indulge my 80s obsession with people who won't ro- roll their eyes at me. I recently had a 40th birthday party, 80s themed, of course, with Ferris Bueller and St. Elmo's Fire playing on mute in the background, Rubik's Cubes and Pop Rocks on the coffee table, and five hours, five, uh, of 80s music taken straight from my iPod, and I just wish you could have come. Wow, Sean and Spears and Jonesy at a party. You'd be fine. You'd be like pantsless <laughs> be by 11. I'd be rubbing those Pop Rocks where
1: they don't belong.
0: <laughs> I'd be passed out of the backyard. They're still snapping and popping. <laughs> if you ever decide to do that 16 Candles podcast you've been promising, I'd be happy to sit in as a third co-host. Keep up the great work and know that your efforts are greatly appreciated. Since you were also recently talking about the propriety of following your fans <clears throat> on Facebook, I just wanted to let you know that when Steve added a happy birthday to my wall last November, it absolutely made my day. Forever, Stuck in the 80s, Gale in Washington, D.C. Oh, that's nice.
2: You guys haven't done a Sixteen Candles?
0: God, it's <clears> tough to do that one. we talked about this. Here's the thing. Tough. It's a hilarious movie. It's funny. I mean, how can you be funnier than that movie? I don't know. What are we going to say? I guess we get Getty Watanabe on. Oh, no more Yankee, my wanky. The donga need food.
1: That'd be nice. Um, you know it would be great? It'd be, it'd be impossible to do. Michael Scheffling, who plays Jake Ryan. He doesn't do oh, any no, interviews. He's, he's reclusive. Yeah, he lives in um, rural Pennsylvania. I think he makes furniture for his family or something like that. He hasn't talked to anybody about these movies in 20 years. If we could get him on the phone to talk to him, That's awesome. then
0: we would do it at 16 cameras. Let me ask you something, uh, Tom Jones. Yeah. Do you get this sort of passionate email from your fans of shooting from the lip?
2: Yeah, I usually there's more swear words involved with the <laughs> really? emails. Really? get like, cursed out oh, oh, yeah, oh yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Sports fans are a different breed.
0: Do they, are they yelling at you no, or are yeah. yelling at the topic like Both. F Joe Madden and stuff like that? Yeah, and then
1: it's, it's F
0: you. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I get a lot of personal F you mail. Know? I
1: miss when you used to sit next to me. Daley used to sit next to me here at the Times. He doesn't anymore. But when he would get a really nasty phone call message, I would get to hear him all. And so you get all these rednecks calling going.
0: Did I, I, I play the one I got the other day? I have no idea. I think it was about my Super Bowl coverage. But uh, it was just very, very simple. And the message was you're a simple-minded <laughs> f- <laughs> 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 I mean, click and that was it and I played it over you're a simple-minded <laughs> <laughs> I'm just giving Steve more work now more believing work and I'm like I wonder what that could be about yeah it that's, be, that, maybe that's it has, Maybe it's just somebody who met me in Publix or something like that and they're like you know <laughs> so anyway well listen thank you Gail and Tim for your letters um, keep sending letters guys we have many many more maybe one day we'll just do a letter show what do you think about that Steve? we've done that before Really? When we I get really mean, lazy. <laughs> when we
1: get really it'll happen sooner yeah, than later. Yeah, no,
0: we we'll, know. we'll bring Jonesy back though.
1: Hey, uh by the way, special thanks to uh the man known only as Loygers.
0: It's loggers.
1: No, it's Lloyders, trust me.
0: Loigers. Is that me. Dutch?
1: <laughs> no, it's just it's a, it's an amalgam. It's a goddamn amalgam. <laughs> a
0: goddamn amalgam. Uh
1: who sent us a copy of Just Another Day, the Peter Gabriel Cape Bush Christmas song that we talked about last show.
0: I didn't get that. I forwarded
1: it to you today, my no friend. You didn't. I
0: swear to God. How do you spend your Hand of lives? God, Maradona. Yes. Send
1: that to
2: me. I love Peter Gabriel and Kate Bush. Yeah. You know. yeah. Who uh,
1: and, and Lloydgers says that his claim to fame is that he went to UC Irvine with Stan Ridgway's sister Linda. Even though he never actually got to meet
0: Stan Ridgway. But he later says he's not sure if it really was Stan Ridgway's sister, which is a weird thing. To <laughs> why would you would claim? Up, yeah, yeah. Why
1: would yeah. you claim to be? You might as well
0: say you're Stan Ridgway. <laughs> <laughs> it's like who pretty, would know? Pretty sure. How do you know it's Lloydgers? Trust me. Oh, really? Is that you'll tell me the story later? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> sleepy, sleepy. Oh, no, don't. Uh,
1: As always, um, send Lloydgers, send, uh, send us your letters to uh, stuckin80s at Tempe.com or find our Facebook page, which, which gloriously crossed the 2,200 member mark today.
0: <laughs> What's happening, hot stuff? Ah,
1: by the sound of the gong, it must be time for Mystery Movie Moment. Hey, it's a segment where we play a snippet of a movie from the 80s, and if you can get it right, random prizes. Last week, nobody had gotten the mystery clip, and so I dangled a free Michael Jackson shirt. Don't say dangled yeah i know so that was a bad memory for you wasn't it It
0: was do you know can we uh, tell tom what happened i went over to steve's house to enjoy i forget forgetting sarah marshall yeah a nice uh, comedy i was still in a bad place remember you're always (laughs) in a bad place uh and uh we're having we're having some drinks talking about what shows we're going to do watching the movie and we're just getting we're drinking more and more and all of a sudden steve gets up and he's wearing i think like a football jersey and like elastic you know uh, shorts (laughs) And he starts doing this little dance. I'm like, oh, that's kind of fun. A little weird, like sounds of the lambs, but kind of fun. And all of a sudden, he pulls the shorts no. the and shows me his gazats. Dangled it. Yeah, he dangled it. And I'm like, what the? Hell? What was that? And then next day, I'm like, dude, why'd you show me your? P-? And you're like, oh, I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> like it was bizarre. When he did the dance, I'm like, oh, look at that. It's kind of weird. Somebody's doing a dance. <laughs> and then. Meow. I have no idea. Are you a little uncomfortable now? No, I think that's awesome. <laughs> I, would, I didn't want to be there for it, but I think it's awesome. Steve can arrange that if you really, really uh, like it. Steve can be rented out for parties. Oh, God. Oh, look at that. Oh, yeah, a little soft shoe. Whoa. <laughs> can I can't even
1: coming. watch that movie now without wearing a football jersey <laughs> and elastic shorts. Pay attention. Here was the clip from last week's show. Is you anything
0: you should... Um introduce
1: ourselves no I, I think i know enough about you already that's oxford blues with rob lowe and ali sheedy Does so that- easy had
0: nobody even no one's. i even
1: said the name anymore. of the movie during the this the podcast i gave it away anyone see that movie besides me am i the only one cricket cricket rob lowe goes to oxford and uh to row or whatever they call it crew it's not even a real sport is it yeah. not here Anyway, two people got it right, uh, Diane Peripetti and Crash,
0: hey, from Long Beach, Crash from Long
1: Beach, and, and Crash, Crash gets the shirt. Pay
0: what's attention. The, wait, what's the shirt? It's Michael, Michael Jackson. Johnson. says, don't you stop say taking get enough. Oh, I'm not even listening. I
1: know. <laughs> Great. Sleepy, sleepy. Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. Good morning, my neighbors! If you know it, email us at stuckhandsattempo.com, because Tom Jones will be here to call you a wiener. <laughs> Ah, uh, the mystical refrain that is, name that 80s tune. Hey, time to play a snippet of a song from the 80s, and if you can get it right, it's back to band posters now, I guess. Right?
0: They're not oh, posters,
1: Or a dude. slightly uh, tainted uh, DVD of Forgetting Sarah Marshall.
0: <laughs> very tainted. <laughs> <It's> very tainted.
1: <laughs> Pay attention. Here was last week's clip. <laughs> That's The Bitterest Pill by The Jam.
0: Nobody won though. Nobody not a lot. Won this week. Not a lot.
1: Because after after many many weeks of using pretty mainstream songs, we went uh, we dug a little deeper this week.
0: Yeah, we had three winners actually. Uh, the great Marty U. We, have we heard from Marty that much recently? Marty U. Marty U. Sent an email
1: the other day. I, I didn't want me. I didn't want to tell you about this. Uh oh. Oh. But since you brought it up,
0: railing on me.
1: He's like he's like you know I, I love the show guys but. Why all the mainstream bands? Why can't you get a little? Why can't you talk about the clash?
0: Oh, here I just said the well, great Marty U. You know what? Like, Withdrawn. Why? Withdrawn. Just Marty U. Said with disdain. Marty U.
1: Marty F. U. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure his middle
0: name is Fitzgerald. Uh, our two other win- winners were Dr. Dim and Sir Jason in Sydney, Australia. Man, I got to tell you, we've got to get
1: this uh, Australia in the 80s show in the can. I mean, that, you know.
0: Can we have Jonesy back for that, too? You like. Uh, this Austra- man knows his music. You, know, you like Australian music in the 80s? Yeah,
2: you know, I was. Uh, um, what was the, the band? Uh, the church. Yeah. yeah Australian, right?
1: Yep, they'll be on it. Hoodoo Gurus. Yeah. So that'd be fun. Oh, I I'm on a big Smith's kick right now.
2: I've been listening to nothing but Smith's the last Really? Yeah. That last... kind of makes me want to stab
0: we... you with this pen, actually. <laughs> I don't
1: get that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Who's a wiener this time? Pay oh, attention.
1: Here's this week's Mystery Tune. If you know it, email us at at stuckinsattempa.com because you can either get stabbed in the heart with a pen, if it's a Smith song, (laughs) or Tom Jones gets his last chance to call you a wiener.
0: Love it. Tom Jones just flinched when we did that. He, had no, <laughs> he has no idea what PPTMN is. He was making sure our hands were on the table. So, yeah,
2: really? It sounds like there was dangling going on while you were singing.
0: Uh, you know, I, I forgot. We I was really wish say Steve wasn't even that. dangling that much, but that would be demeaning to your member. It was cold. <laughs> it was cold. It was August. <laughs> the windows were open. <laughs> okay. This week's uh, PPTMN is from Sean Fitzgerald in Texas. Hello, Sean, Steve, and Tom. Well, this is my first email to PPTMN. You see that, Jonesy? It's taken off. Right. (laughs) I've been a listener now for about two years and wanted to say how much I've enjoyed your podcast. I would like to have a podcast about sayings coined in the 80s that are still used today. For instance, I use the phrase negative ghostwriter. The pattern is full. What's that from, Jonesy? I didn't know either. No Honestly, go ahead. Top Gun. I know. You were discussing. I'm like, what's oh, that wow. from?
1: Top Gun. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. It's a million uses.
0: <laughs> I think <laughs>
1: I said lo- it that night in August.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that full. Uh, Sean Fitzgerald also likes to say, Bueller, Bueller. There are so many phrases that have become part of our pop culture and from so many movies I think it would be a blast. Do you guys find yourselves quoting movies like I do? Rock on, brothers, and keep it rockin' like Docking. For all of us still stuck in the 80s, Sean Fitzgerald. Okay, let's start with Jonesy. Jonesy, what do you say? What phrase from an 80s movie do you You know what you I use
2: mean? a lot uh, yeah. is don't mess with the bull, young man. You get the
1: horns. Ah, ah Breakfast Club. Yeah. Breakfast Club, good one. The late one. Paul Gleason. Sean? What? Paul Gleason's dead? What?
0: Paul Gleason's dead?
1: Has been for many years.
0: What? Really? Two or three at least. Shut Shut up. Up. Wow. I'm not really? kidding. Are you sure? Yes. Because with Paul Gleason's listening to this, like, he just got <laughs> oh, his uh, um, one more thing I, I, say, I say this to you all the time From Fletch you know, Are you taping this? And I say no, never, never yeah. So I, I do that That's great uh, And I, from Easy Money uh, the, From Rodney's movie uh, I always say Monty C, Monty Do you know? yeah. That's, Those are mine A little obscure I can't watch
1: that movie anymore
0: What? Why not? I don't know What? Easy Money Rodney Dangerfield? What are you talking about? I've got it and
1: um, I never put it on.
0: Why? It's hilarious. Yeah. You
1: know, it has one of my favorite quotes, isn't it? That
2: scene where he, they're in that, that strip bar when Joe Pesci's in there. And he says, and he starts, hey, don't yell at my friend. He goes, who are you? He goes, who am I? I'm the guy to put the bathrooms <laughs> in this joint.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's great. Then he launches across right. the bar to beat up the guy. <laughs> Spearzy, what? oh, so, uh, this guy, what What? What quote don't you say? Yeah, I'm in pretty fact, bad. there's no you inside. <laughs> This is what Jones does. There's no uh, real Steve Spears inside. It's all just movie quotes. So, what are your favorites? I'm not even the
1: worst of all my friends. I have friends who are much worse about quoting. You will go 20s. an entire
0: day just quoting. From, yes, I will. From that's movies. true. Yeah.
1: And everyone knows that my my favorite is, "Kirk
0: is alive, yeah. my old friend." Ah, uh, yeah, that's my. Fa- I ask you to do that. That's. I love your Star Trek stuff. Yeah, so that's all you're giving us is yeah, with a couple more quotes. You could do uh,
1: stupid. Uh, do these, these are Wars. not the droids you're looking for. <laughs> I mean, you know.
0: Yeah, that's good. I like that. It has
1: no use, and that's what makes it even better. Um, Anything. Goodfellas was
2: 80s,
0: right?
1: No, 90s. Oh, 90s? Oh, oh, I'm out. Cardinal
0: <laughs> Sin on stage. <laughs> okay. See 80s. ya.
1: Thanks, everybody. <laughs> no, nah, it's okay. You know what? It's okay. You could pull in a 70s movie into the 80s show. That's fine. Okay. Meatballs, fair game. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't matter. You know? It just does Woody matter. the Wabbit, you can C-I-T, do
0: those. So piteous. All right, that was a good question from uh, Sean Fitzgerald. If people want to ask us a PPTMN, Steve, how do they go about doing such a thing?
1: Email us, but put PPTMN in the subject line so I don't confuse them with the hate mail that I get for Sean Daly. If you're not ready to give up on mullets and Madonna, log on to Stuck in the 80s. Just one of the many blogs you'll find at TampaBay.com, the website of the St. Petersburg Times. Relive the music, movies, and culture of the greatest decade ever. Only at TampaBay.com. And we're back. And although this is the Miracle on Ice Show, uh, the Soviets uh, lost to the U.S. was not the only highlight of hockey in the 80s. Tom Jones is still here to tell us about a little guy we like to call Wayne Gretzky. The great one. Greatest player in the history of hockey, actually,
2: during the 80s, was probably the best athlete in the world, I would say. The most dominant. Over Jordan. Jordan. The gap between Gretzky and everybody else. Keep Glenn. in mind,
1: Jordan was more '90s, early '90s. I
2: even if you include
1: Jordan, I, really,
2: yeah, Gretzky dominated hockey. Like no sport what's has that ever stat? been dominated. Yeah, this that is stat? an incredible stat. stat. You get a point for a goal and a point for an assist, and those are your total points at the end of, at the end of the season, end of your career. Wayne Gretzky, if you didn't even count his goals, just his assists he would still be the all-time leading point sc- scorer in the NHL. And, oh, by the way, he's also the leading goal scorer. That's
0: that's almost impossible. It I mean, is. that's crazy.
1: Is it an unreachable record, too, now at this point?
2: Yes. Yeah, because scoring has gone down in, in the National Hockey League. But even if it, even if it had stayed the same, there's no way anybody would touch that So rookie. the scores for
0: his games uh, must have been, yeah. they were blowing people out. Yeah,
2: they out. were getting seven, eight, nine goals a game sometimes back in the 80s. Wow. That's and
1: back crazy. then he was playing for? Edmonton. Right, which yeah. doesn't have a team anymore. No,
2: it does. They, they, don't, they, don't, they don't play very well. <laughs> They're the worst team in the league this so, sure, year. Have you ever met Gretzky? But, I have. You know, and it, when the All-Star game came here to Tampa Bay in the late 90s, uh, we did a thing in the, at the St. Pete Times. Every week, we would run an All-Star memory from a, from a great player. Wayne Gretzky came to town with the New York Rangers at the time, and we wanted to do one with him. And it happened to be that that particular day they had played the night before. He was just getting treatment at the arena. He wasn't skating for practice. And he doesn't do media on those days. Well, I told the PR guy from the Rangers, hey, can I get Gretzky for this thing? I don't know if he's going to talk. Gretzky found out what it was for, came around the corner at the St. Pete Times Forum in this little hallway, and he says, hey, is Tom Jones here? I said, yeah, that's me. He goes, come with me. And he went back and he gave me about 20 minutes That's awesome. of his greatest all-star memory, which was the first time he played with Gordie Howe, who was his hero growing up. And I thought, here is this guy gets it. This is an athlete that gets it because he realizes you're trying to sell the all-star game in Tampa. He's going to do whatever he can to help you. And to me, that was at that point, I thought, there, any athlete that ever blows off a sports writer in the world needs to look at Wayne Gretzky. Oh, if Wayne yeah. Gretzky can do it. Everybody should do it. And the NHL, I think, followed his lead. The NHL is the most cooperative league to deal with of all the major sports, and I think it's because of Gretzky. Gretzky set the tone.
1: Now, when he played with the Oilers in the 80s, how many they, they were a machine. How many titles did they They win?
2: won four Stanley Cups. They won four in five years. Should have won five in a row, but there, there's a famous game where they lost to Calgary uh, in the in Western Conference Finals, but they won four. Great teams with Marc Messier and... Glenn Anderson, Paul Coffey, the
1: superstars in the sport. Is there any, is there, has there been any hockey team since then that can even compare to that? The, what, right?
2: Those are usually compared. When you talk about greatest hockey teams of all time, people talk about Gretzky's Oilers. People talk about some of the great can, Montreal Canadian dynasties. New York Islanders had a little dynasty in the, in the early 80s. But for my money, if I'm picking a, the greatest hockey team of all time, I would probably take one of those Gretzky Oilers teams.
1: Now sometime, it was in the late 80s, does uh, uh, Gretzky marries Janet, Janet Jones, Jones oh, right. Yeah. And he leaves... Uh,
2: he leaves Edmonton for Los Angeles. And the funny thing about it was, at the time, a lot of people thought the move was for Janet Jones so she could continue her acting career in Los Angeles. So, she was sort of looked at in Canada, went nuts. It's, it's one of the most famous days in Canadian history, the day he was traded. And a lot of people look at Janet Jones like Yoko Ono, like she's breaking up the band, you know, by I him know. being by him being traded to uh, Los Angeles. But the real reason, I think, was financial. There was a financial reason behind it. Edmonton was losing money, and they needed to to get rid of that contract. But the other thing was, it he was sent to Los Angeles, I think specifically to save hockey in the United States. And I, And if he doesn't make the move to Los Angeles and the Kings don't blow up, there's no team in Tampa Bay. There's no team in Miami. There's no team in Dallas. He created basically... Hockey for Americans, more so than even the 80 Olympic team did.
0: Let me ask you something. This is for our, our, our diehard hockey uh, fans out there listening. Like, Can somebody like Sidney Crosby or Ovechkin, can they all of a sudden transcend the sport and become a star bigger than No help? Because uh, hockey's hurt.
2: Hockey is hurting, and I think it's, it's no coincidence that hockey's started to go downhill again after Gretzky left. Gretzky is the all-time greatest player,
1: always will be the all-time greatest player. You know who else is a great guy? tom jones for coming in I here love, and sitting with my, us
0: my, one of my favorite guests they they do guests. call me
1: the great one I <laughs> they to- <laughs> do so there you go the miracle and i show 30 years later on monday february 22nd enjoy for USA, all it's worth USA, usa yes usa in the meantime sean daly tom jones and myself along with wayne gretzky maybe hopelessly stuck in the 80s
0: Duck in the 80s is produced by the St. Petersburg Times and TampaBay.com. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for providing music for the credits. Read the blog at
1: blogs.tampabay.com and remember to subscribe to the podcast at iTunes.